everybody. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. How you doing, mate? I'm doing great. I'm just sitting here staring at your scarf. What scarf? Your hey. scarf says, come on, England. What's come that all about? Come on, England. Well, today, uh, it's Monday when we launched the podcast. Right. And today is, there was one game yesterday, but today is the main start of the World Cup. Oh, man. This is like Christmas for you. Oh, and, and it's it really right is Christmas, Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. But it's like... Double Christmas, World oh. Cup. And you know what's crazy about it, Chuck, is this year um, it's normally not in uh, Christmas time, Thanksgiving time. It's normally in the summer. Right. But because it's in Qatar, uh, it's going to be um, Christmas time yeah. or coming up to it for a whole month of soccer. For those who hate soccer, this is not the month to turn on the TV. Three to four games a day. Wow. Uh, and today. So it's either Hallmark or soccer. Yeah, and I know what you'll be watching. Uh, but today um, is is what they call the group stages that really get going. And within England's group is Iran, Wales, and USA. USA. So, USA. Okay. USA. USA. <laughs> Not that we have money on this or anything. No, but, no, you know, no. This is, this is going to be good. Oh, man. And so this Friday, uh, England will play USA. And just so you're aware and people that are listening from the, U- from the US that may not know, um, it starts with the group stages. There's four teams in a group. I think there's eight or 12 groups. But in our group, it's England, USA, Wales... And Iran, and so those four will play each other in the next week. And the top two teams who have the most points, you get three points for a win, one point for a tie. The one, the top two teams then advance to the knockout round, the knockout stage. And I, I learned that in our first take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the this is the second time we've done this, everyone. Um, but you know, it's it's a fun time, and so the knockout stage is where we, you know, we'll end up at the Fox Pub with a bunch of English guys or at Dave Jane's church. He has this 20-odd-foot LED wall. Right, and Dave Jane is a good friend of Andy's and a friend of mine and a past guest on Revival Town Podcast. Yeah, so... Who's also from the UK. Yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be some type of watch party. I know oh, our, yeah. another friend of ours who's been on the podcast, Dave Mudd, we were in a thread talking about, okay, it's about to, there's about to be a showdown, USA versus England. So it'd be yeah. Dave Mudd and I versus you and Dave James. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the other thing that's crazy, it's the day after Thanksgiving that the game is. Black Friday. Right, right. And so, uh, so, so yeah, it so. might be Black Friday for England. Whoa. Oh, or it might be Black Friday for the U.S. Yeah, I think it might yeah, be. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll All see. Right, you hey, know, yeah. there could be some shockers out there, you know, but I don't think there will be. But, okay. you know, so it's but it's going to be a fun, fun time the next month of all these games. And, you know, we've even, I've even had to look at appointments that I've got, you know, so that, and when <laughs> yeah, we record the podcast next, cannot be on a certain day and, you know, <laughs> all that. So, uh, so yeah. You're all in. All in. You're all in. All and, in. and obviously we, we book guest in advance and there's a lot that goes into we, we usually record three podcasts in a day usually. yeah yeah and uh, we're excited about our guest today and we're so honored that he would take time to hang out with us to talk about his books jeff henderson is the author of know what you're for which directly impacted myself our staff our church impacted yeah. you yeah dream center peoria and he has a brand new book that he's going to unpack that's called what to do next and here's the deal. Forbes, right? Forbes magazine just came out with a list of the top 20 speakers you don't want to miss. He's on the list. That's crazy. And I he's didn't on know the Revival that. Town podcast. I didn't know until you told me that today. I did not know about that. That's yeah. absolutely yeah. crazy. So why don't you sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with Jeff Henderson. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.
All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Jeff Henderson, is an entrepreneur, speaker, pastor, and business leader. For 17 years, he has led three of North Point Ministries' multi-site locations in Atlanta and also helped launch North Point Online, which now reaches over 200,000 people. His best-selling book, Know What You're For, launched a movement in nonprofits around the world and has become a focal point for many businesses. Jeff was recently named by Forbes magazine as one of 20 speakers you shouldn't miss. Prior to working as a pastor, Jeff started his career marketing with the Atlanta Braves and Chick-fil-A Incorporated, where he led the company's regional and beverage marketing strategies. He has a brand new book called What to Do Next. So we're going to talk to him about that right now. Jeff, welcome to Revival Town. Chuck, good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Good to be with you and Andy and, and honored to be a part of this. Man, well, we're so excited to have you here. Can you begin just by by telling us a little bit of your story? And of course, we're going to unpack your, your new book, but we're going to have to touch briefly on four because it impacted Andy and I directly. So, um, but first of all, for, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with Jeff Henderson, what's your story? Sure. Well, I grew up as a preacher's kid and so grew up in church. And so I promised myself I would never, ever, ever work at a church. So I really <laughs> developed a, an interest in marketing. And my, you know, my dad said, hey, if you can go do anything else besides, you know, church work, go for it. So, you know, because I think sometimes inherently there's this pressure on preacher's kids that you got to follow in the family business. Right. So and, and my parents were, were, were awesome. But but I, I just I I just promised myself I would never work at a church, and I even told God, God, I'll never work at a church. So if you get nothing out of today's Revival Town podcast, never tell God <laughs> you're never going to do something. Because I ended up working for a church for 17 years. But it really, you know, one of the things my dad taught me, my dad passed away uh, almost 10 years ago, and he said, when he turned 80, he said, son, I love being 80. And I'm like, okay, that, you don't hear that a lot, dad, but why do you, why do you love being 80? He goes, I can now see the times where I felt like God was confusing me or I'm not sure where I'm going. And now I can see where this whole thread is going. And I get to eight and I look back and go, Oh, now I see it. Mm. And so I didn't know this at the time, but when I went into the business world, I, uh, now what I do is I'm able to go serve churches and businesses because I've lived in both of those worlds. And so while, you know, Andy used to be uh, on staff at cross point church in Nashville, I'll be preaching there next Sunday. But I'll also be a few days before that with the Ford Motor Company talking about um, marketing and branding. So I did that for a number of years and uh, wound up handling all of Chick-fil-A's regional and sports marketing and beverage marketing. But my wife and I were attending North Point Community Church. And long, long story short, we just felt the call to leave all of that. And, and no one ever leaves Chick-fil-A, only crazy people like me. <laughs> and, um, but we were... We went to a leadership conference um, in Chicago at Willow Creek, and it just totally, I just felt God told me at a break, you're going to start a church someday. I'm like, whoa, 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 I promised myself I would never do this. So over the course of two and a half to three years, just getting more involved at North Point, um, the opportunity came about to help them with their first multi-site um, video location. And, you know, in today's world, multi-site video church, you know, everybody does that. But back in that, in 2003, that was a, you know, what in the world? I mean, imagine me sitting down with my in-laws and parents and say, hey, I'm going to leave a multi-billion dollar business where everything's going really well to go be a part of a church where the preacher's on video. You know, I mean, that <laughs> makes no sense at all. But we're so grateful that we did. So, yeah. and then over the course of 17 years, we were able to, you know, be a part of the Buckhead Church launch and then launch two other churches in Gwinnett County. And during the time at Gwinnett, we launched for Gwinnett. And we can talk about that if you'd like. Sure. But yeah. that as other churches began to adopt that, um, it just became clear to Wendy and me that I think we're called to a season to serve a greater, a broader collection of churches and business leaders. And so that's what we're doing now. So long, long story short, um, I have a rather meandering career path, but it's certainly been fun. Yeah, man. Well, let's, let's talk about know what you're for, for a moment before we get into, into the new book, because, um, um, I, I read it and, um, listened to the audible version because you narrate it. And I just felt like, um, yeah, I could, wherever I was, you were reading to me. It was fantastic. But, uh, <laughs> um, but in the book, you give out your phone number. Now you, you also give out your phone number in, in the new book as well. And, I, I, I just 
man, I was so about it. It just really ministered to me. It spoke to me. I'm like, yes, we have to communicate, not just to our congregation, but to our community, who we are for, that God is for them, that we're for them. And um, so I was trying to think about what, you know, obviously you share the story. I want you to share it in just a moment before Gwinnett. I'm like, we can't use our city name just because um, even though we are in the city of East Peoria, we're not in city limits and we're actually closer to another city and more associated with that city. And then we can't use our County because we're in a tri-county area, right? Where our property is, there's almost three counties real close to us. And I was just, I don't want to use the zip code because there's multiple zip codes in our community. And I was just kind of stuck. So I'm like, you know what? He gives his number in the book. I'm going to text him. I texted you texted me right back and said, what about the area code? And like, ding, ding, ding. Wow, yes, 309. We're 4 to 309. And we have, um, we ran with it. We're still running with it. Um, we tied it into our logo that's on our socials, 4 to 309. And well, it's, been, it's been great. So and, thank and you. Chuck, what's, what's good about that, Jeff, is, is their um, four then also became part of what I do with the Dream Center, which is in the 309, where Love their it. church is now involved even more so with the Dream Center and, and our call to the city. Um, you know, our Dream Center is a little different from other Dream Centers. Yes, we have a, a homeless shelter for women and children, and we have 21 apartments for the women to transition and get out of homelessness. But then we have a whole after-school program that has trades where we can teach kids a way out of poverty through carpentry, motor mechanics, the coffee business, things like that. Um, but Chuck was able to now we go were, to his we, church and say, we're not just for just this street or this area, but the 309, which the Dream Center is a part of that. Right. Well, And we were pretty inward focused, honestly. And um, one of the things you talk about in Know What You're For is even your social media, if you know, 80, 85, 95% of all your posts are, look what we're doing, right? It's, it's, we needed to look outward and we needed to reach out and your book helped us do that. And because of it, we're even closer connected with Andy. So can you tell us that story about Ford Gwinnett? Well, you know, we, we wanted to just simply ask the question, what do we want to be known for? And, and obviously in church world, it's, you know, the, 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 the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everything, right? But what about the person that has their back to the church and just like, yeah, that's good, but that's not for me. And so in the early days of Gwinnett Church, and obviously when we launched Buck, Buckhead Church, it just, you know, God just, it was, it was amazing. And so when I, when I left, Wendy and I left to help start Gwinnett Church, you know, I got some feedback like, well, you've done this before, you know, it'll just, you know, rinse and repeat. I'm like, no, 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 I want, I want God to do something, you know, new and different. Yeah. And so we just began with that question. What do we want to be known for? And in that meeting, someone said, well, you know, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what Mm. the church is for. And Mm. I just remember that moment. It's like a holy moment, like, wow. And then we said, well, what do we want to be known for? And then that's when we just said, well, we want to be for Gwinnett kids and for Gwinnett students and for Gwinnett adults and for Gwinnett businesses. And, and in essence, we wanted to be what Jesus said, you're a city on a hill and, um, you know, shine the light. And so that's, so the first thing we did, Chuck, is we, we um, bought this piece of property and we just put a sign out there and they said, Hey, you can put Gwinnett church coming soon. And, and I had no idea when we would launch, like Gwinnett Church coming someday, you know, hopefully before Jesus returns or something like that. So, but I said, that's not the first message I want communicated about what this property is. And I mean, right now, the, if you go to the property, there's a you know big sign that says Gwinnett Church. Obviously, you need, you, need, you need that now. But when there was just a, you know, track of land, we just put a sign out there that said hashtag for Gwinnett. And Gwinnett is a county in Atlanta. It's actually will soon be the largest county in Georgia, is the most diverse county in Georgia. So huge potential to reach and serve people. And I got feedback like, well, okay, for Gwinnett, how are they going to know that's a church? And my response was exactly. They're Mm -hmm. not. Right. I want there to be intrigue and mystery. And so we just had a few volunteers at the time, you know, trying to help us launch this thing. And we were in a, um, 
so gracious, another church, Cross Point Church here, uh, not Cross Point in Nashville, but Cross Point here in Duluth with Dr. James Merritt allowed us to use their facility on Sunday nights for three years. And, but we gave our volunteers t-shirts that just said Ford Gwinnett. And I said, Hey, when you, I want you to wear these, when you go out to dinner or, you know, lunch or go to the ballparks or uh, you know, grocery stores or wherever. And when people come up and say, Hey, Ford Gwinnett, there's a sign up there that says Ford Gwinnett. What is that? Is that a school? Is that a business? And, you know, I tell leaders, whatever your vision carriers say, it's gold. And if it's a 17 paragraph mission statement that you're hoping that they remember every word, you're not, they're not, they're not going to get there because vision's like a bucket of water. The more words that are in the bucket, the more the words will fall out. And so we said, when people ask you what it is, I want you to tell them it's a church. And they're going to say, well, why does it say Fort Gwinnett? And we want you to say, well, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And we believe God is for you. And those conversations, mm. Chuck, and really just exploded the church. And um, so that's kind of the, the genesis behind all that. Now, obviously, I have a marketing background. So some of the criticism of this is, well, this is just a marketing slogan. But it's actually based on John 3.16 and John 3.17, both of which start with the word for mm. and clearly articulate who mm. God's for and what Jesus came for. So it's and I don't apologize for marketing. I still love marketing, but it's not a you know marketing slogan. It's it's really based on the gospel. But at the same time, I, I think there's so much that church leaders and nonprofit leaders can learn from the business world. And there's so much that the business world can learn from the church world. And so that that really, really, really helped. And because in the early days, it's not enough for the core team to know what you want to be known for. Whoever's coming after you, your volunteers, the, that your vision, who I call vision carriers, You've got to have clear language and they have to remember it so that you can make it portable. Mm. And what we discovered is for Gwinnett became really portable. Um, and, and it was just fun. And then now when we had that, it was just fun to try to add value to the community. And one of the questions we asked early on that I positioned to our team was if you fast forward many years down the road and we decide to close down Gwinnett Church, and we say, hey, everybody, we're going to sell the land. We're going to donate all the money away. It's been a great run. My hope is that we will have added so much value to the community that the community would rise up and protest and say, no, 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 you can't possibly mm. shut down. And um, there are a lot of people that are protesting the church nowadays, but it's not because they want the church to stay open. Right, right. And so that that was really our, our our genesis. And you know, you mentioned earlier, Chuck, about um, you, you all were insider focused, but that's not surprising because every organization struggles with that. It's the natural inclination of the organization to focus on the organization. That and so you have to get you have to have habits and practices and systems to make sure that we aren't focusing on ourselves. And, and I put in the book, I uh, kind of picked on business leaders because I just said, if a business was a person, many businesses would be considered narcissists because mm. their whole campaign is we're awesome. You should know that we're better <laughs> than our competitors come by our amazing products. Wow. And it's a lot of marketing is just shouting at people. And it's having a reduced, and I think this is great, it's having a diminished impact. But there's a different way. And rather than trying to shout at the community, look at us, we need to tell the community, hey, we see you and we're here to add value to you. And that's really what Ford was all about. Well, I loved it. Our staff read it. We talked about it. We discussed each chapter in staff meetings. So we spent several weeks going through it. So um, thank you for man, doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, thank you. It definitely was one of those books that just, especially for a nonprofit, um, you know, not a church, but a nonprofit that is living mission every day. Uh, you know, Heibel's used to always say vision leaks, mm -hmm. and it was a way that you could keep everything really focused and, and mm -hmm. really like, okay, does this line up with what we want to be remembered for when we're impacting a city and when we're trying to make a difference uh, and we took that real serious what you talked about where if the dream center was not in peoria would would it would the city feel it you know mm -hmm. and um and so and we live that way like what we're on is mission and not just mission but saving lives 
obviously with the gospel, but also literally when it's minus 20 degrees in Peoria, being able to have a place to open uh, the doors, you know, so, so thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about yeah. what was next, right? What what to do next? Um, again, I listened to the audible version of this as well. I, I just audibles are my jam. That's what I, I love to. Li- I love it when the author narrates. So good, good, good stuff. So many great nuggets. How did that book come about? First of all, thanks for listening. Actually, the, recording the audio is harder than writing the book. <laughs> my voice gives out. You have, I can only go probably go two hours. I'm in my late fifties now. So I only have a certain amount of energy you know, every day. So, um, so thanks. Thanks for listening. Well, when I left Gwinnett church, one of the questions I started getting from a lot of people, and I didn't, I didn't know this at the time. It, it seems like perfect timing, but I didn't know that we were going to be in the great resignation or resignation nation and people were leaving their jobs and all this kind of stuff. And so I started getting questions like, Hey, how did you figure this out? And how did you eliminate risk? Which um, spoiler alert, you don't eliminate risk. You can shrink it, but you don't eliminate it. And so I just got a lot of these requests like, Hey, could you meet with me? I'm trying to figure this out. And I look back over the course of the last 23 years of my career. And I noticed that I had these four big moves from Chick-fil-A to, to North Point, which is we Buckhead, Buckhead to Gwinnett, then Gwinnett to the second location in Gwinnett to um, doing what I'm doing now. And there was a certain amount of risk, but there were some principles and practices that helped me figure out what to do next. And so I just, in, in a meeting with some friends, we were just talking about it and they said, you know, so many people are trying to figure out what to do next. I think that's what you should tell them. So, so that's what it's, it's been. And, and it's been so fun to just already, cause as I mentioned, and obviously I picked it, picked this idea up from, from Bob Goff and I was speaking at a conference with Bob uh, about a year ago and man, his phone blows up all the time and he yeah. answers it every single time. But I specifically said as an introvert, text me, I didn't put call me. I said, text me, right? So, <laughs> But it's been so fun because, and again, the goal of this book is not to get you to leave your job. So that's not the goal of the book. Uh The goal of the book is to help you continue to bring the next best version of you. And and it really starts, in fact, I, I met with a pastor yesterday who's 52 He's going to retire. He, he was, he's the founder of this church. He wants to retire at 62. And this is so smart he's already putting together a plan. What's this 10 year stretch going mm. to be? Because when you get in your fifties, you understand that 10 years actually goes by in five mm, right. and it goes faster than you think. <clears throat> and so we just, he's not leaving anytime soon, loves his job. He started this church. He's, he's in for the long haul, but at the same mm. time, he loves his church so much to know that when he hits 62, he might be having um, a diminished impact and not that you have a diminished impact at that time, but he just thought, you know, there may be another season for me. So let's talk about what do I need to do even 10 years from now about what to do next. And there are some things that you can do now. I think when we think about what to do next, like, ah, put in a two week notice. Now, what do I do? Or sometimes next happens to us, the job, you know, we, we, the company gets downsized, we lose our job and now we're going, okay, what do we do next? And so wherever people are in that situation, this is real life stuff and the things that Wendy and I have done to actually help us figure out um, these next moves. Wow. I I know. uh, And and the timing of this conversation is, is, is real for me. Uh, Not for me personally, but uh, family and um, you know, there's that time when you know, you've got to make the move. There's things that are happening perhaps within the organization, perhaps on a personal level, uh, anxiety, the weight of the job. Um, but you love the place you're work, working at, but you know you've got to make the move, right? Mm-hmm. The culture may not be great. There may be things going on. What are some of the things that um, you would advise that person that's feeling that weight still loves the place they're they're serving at they're working at but they know the culture's changed i need to make that move but they want to finish well Mm -hmm. finishing well is huge and i the the principle i talk about in the book is i believe the the better you begin your next season is tied to how well you finished your last season Mm. and i don't think we talk a lot about 
or enough in leadership circles about how do you finish well? And part of that is, I think we, we, again, we think of it as a two week notice, or in my case at Gwinnett church, I put in a six week notice, or sometimes we don't leave the organization. We just leave the role. And in my case, I left Buckhead church to start all over at Gwinnett church. I had a mentor of mine say, why in the world are you starting all over? Right. And so, but part of that is to understand that I'm a starter, I'm a builder. And at some point, every seven, six or seven years, I'm going to go do something different. So I, I know that about myself. But to your to your question, Andy, I think you have to surround yourself with people who can give you advice and see things from a non-emotional, non-fear standpoint and go, yes, here's what I think you ought to do. So I have had a personal advisory board for a number of years. These are older men in my life. And we were meeting with them, Wendy and I, and they said, hey, you, you guys are going to be empty nesters in about 18 months. What's your plan for your empty nesting years? And I hadn't really thought about that. But that question was really the impetus to go, what what do we do? And and I started, and shortly after that, the, the four book came out and I started getting a lot of requests to come speak. And so I created this thing called a business breakfast and I would go and preach at a church on Sunday and then stick around and do a business breakfast on Monday. And part of the reason I wanted to do that was to not only serve the church, but to test out whether or not this idea would work. Mm. And so I really believe in side hustles and in a side hustle would be, I'm going to try something over here and see if it works, see what I learn. And that allows me to kind of take a step on the, you know, the bridge, if you will, from where I am to where I want to go. Yeah. For example, another example of that, of a side hustle is because of my Chick-fil-A background, people ask me, Hey, I think I might want to become a Chick-fil-A restaurant operator. Do you think I should do that? And my response is, I don't know, but I know how you can figure this out. Mm. If you go get a part-time job at Chick-fil-A, and I know that may be hard, but if you could work like five to 10 hours a week, if you don't like your part-time job, if you come home and you don't like smelling like chicken and waffle fries, you're not going to like the business. Mm. But if you fall in love with the business, okay. So that's a small little, little side hustle. So when I did this business breakfast, it just, I did like 30 of them, I believe. And obviously all this is pre-COVID and just everywhere I went, hey, could you come talk to our business or could you come talk to our organization? Hey, we really need to hear. And then I was in Elkhorn, Nebraska um, in a church, relevant church. Uh, Ronnie Rothy's the pastor out there and they do for Elkhorn. And I remember just getting this, I mean, they sold out the breakfast and it was amazing, but so many people like, hey, can you come back and talk about this and that? And I remember calling Wendy and say, saying, I think I found it. I think this is what we've got to do. Wow. And um, and then other things, and my, you know, my partnership with John Maxwell uh, shortly developed. John was gracious enough to write the forward. Um, John's sold a gazillion books. And yeah. so I, I tried to get his name to be in bigger font than my name in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said something about integrity and I go, well, whatever. So um <laughs> And that really, that partnership really helped uh, explode things. So it's not as simple as, you know what? I woke up one morning and decided, you know what? It's time. I'm in my late fifties. Let's go do something different. I mean, for some people that may be it. I'm pretty good at risk. I'm not that good at risk. And <laughs> right. So I, 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 but we got verification of it. Now I'm telling you, this is, I just crossed over the two year mark in this, in this season. It's been wonderful. It's been hard. We've had huge highs we've had huge lows it's just um there's nothing about this that has been safe and easy mm. but you know we don't sign up for easy we sign up for worthwhile right. and yeah. my experience i don't think this is a biblical principle although i could probably find a bible verse if forced <laughs> to but i think um the the more we hold on to safety and security because we're just too scared of it i think somehow safety and security are, are taken away from us if that becomes your you know your main main issue and so i just in, the, in another mentor of mine said hey the older we get the less risk we take and it actually should be the opposite mm-hmm. the older we get the more risk we should take and 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 i don't i'm not advocating in the book to do a flippant risk you know right. just throw caution to the wind that's not what we're called to do but when you get a people group around you 
And, and I start with my wife, Wendy. The great thing, if you're married, the great thing about being in sync with your wife or your husband is that when those difficult days come, the fact that you both said yes to this, that avoids one of them, one of the per, you know people in the marriage going, well, see, I told you we shouldn't have done yeah, this. You didn't right, listen to right. it. So I tell husbands and wives, if you do not have units, unity on this, do not move. Yeah. Just you, you got you got to wait. And when I left Chick Fil A to start Buckhead Church or help start to you know in those early days of Buckhead Church, I'm telling you, there were some days where I'm I just thought I came home and I'm like I don't know if I can do this. I don't, you know, I'm a trained marketer. I'm a former chicken salesman, and people are coming to me asking me questions about how many services should be launched and this issue and that <laughs> issue. And uh, but we both knew we signed up for this, and it just it just really helped. And, um, and the other thing I would encourage people to do, and this isn't always the case, especially if next happens to you, right? As I mentioned earlier, you get the company gets downsized or whatever. But if you can always be moving towards something and not away from something, mm. even if you're not clear about what that something is. Mm. Because when I was leaving Gwinnett and they people were asking, what, what, what are you doing? And I wasn't saying, well, I'm, I'm leaving the being the lead pastor of the two Gwinnett church locations to be the pastor at so-and-so church that, or I'm going to go, you know, back to Chick-fil-A and work in marketing. It was, well, you know, I wrote this book, know what you're for. And there's two questions. And so I'm going to go speak. And as I had this meandering conversation with people, as their eyes glazed over, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, but one of the defining moments in this season for me is speaking of John Maxwell, I was speaking at a conference that John was at and he said something that has been so encouraging. I've referred to it over and over and over again. In fact, one of the texts I got uh, this morning from a reader was this, was this quote, what John said, I never had a clear vision. I just kept moving forward. And I, that just, I just was startling to me in a really good way that, wow, John Maxwell, the leadership guru, didn't really have a clear vision. It looks all clear from here, right? right? right. I understand a mere mortal like me. What do I know? But John Maxwell and to go, he just kept moving forward. I'm going to do that. And so in the good days and the bad days, just kept moving forward. And, um, and that's what you've got to do. So for those that are trying to figure it out, those are some, some of just a couple of the principles that we, we, we used. Right. Well, um, this uh, a year ago in the summer, my family and I went to the Grand Canyon, and you write in your book that a career change, it doesn't have to be jumping over the Grand Canyon, right? right. It can be more like leaping over a, a mud puddle. And so for, for people that are listening right now and, and they're, they're thinking about what to do next and moving forward, it doesn't have to be some grand, huge, crazy move, right? That's, I mean, it can, small steps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and again, it doesn't even mean that you have to leave the organization. One of my best friends, David Farmer, he's been at Chick-fil-A for over 30 years and his, and he's not, he's going to, he's going to retire there. And yet he's continually gotten promoted and advanced. And his mantra is if you're the same person six months from now, you're falling behind. So part of this is just your own continued growth, right? But a small step for me and, and Wendy in, early in our marriage, we didn't really know this. This wasn't necessarily tied to our career. We just wanted to do this. Is you know, you have two people, you bring them together, and now you have two different financial situations in one. So we wanted to get our financial house in order. One of the best things that anyone can do, rather than if they're like, I don't know, I'm not thinking about maybe down the road making a change. Okay, well, if you've got time, make sure that you can get your financial house in order. And there's all sorts of resources out there to do that. But we did that. And the reason that helped is um, when we were presented the opportunity from North Point to leave Chick-fil-A, surprisingly, they couldn't pay the salary of a, that a multi-billion dollar company can. So we ended up <laughs> taking a huge salary cut. But because we did the, you know, the, the, the work of getting our financial house in order, we were able to do that and didn't look, didn't look back. So there are some things that you can do that you don't have to take the sleep. For example, when I came home from Willow Creek and told Wendy, I think God, it's either God spoke to me or it was all the Malnati's deep dish pizza that I oh, ate for four mm, days up there. Right? I'll do it. 
but I think we're supposed to go help start a church someday. So we didn't, I didn't march into Chick-fil-A on Monday and quit. We weren't even going to, to, we were going to another church at the time. We weren't going to North Point. And when he said, well, where should we go? And I said, I don't know, but I, you know, maybe we should try this North Point church. So we went the following Sunday and just, that was a three-year journey. And we got really involved and long story short, three years later, uh, we were offered an opportunity to, to be a part of the early days of Buckhead Church. But I think it's important to note those words three years later. Wow. Yeah. You know, this, is, this is a movie. I go to Willow Creek. I hear that. I come home. I quit. We launched the church and the following Sunday, the church, you know, explodes and the rest is history. That's not my experience. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and again, next happens in a lot of different ways. But the small step for us was being on guest services at North Point. The next small step was being in uh, children's ministry. Then the next step was being in starting point, which was a small group Bible study for people that were exploring faith. And it was in starting point where all this stuff started happening. That was amazing. But those were just small steps that we were taking. And it led to eventually leaving Chick-fil-A. And that was the, the big step. And but it's hard, you know, I, this, my, my hope in the book is that it, I don't make this sound so easy. As I mentioned earlier, though, we didn't sign up for easy. And in fact, that's why I devote a whole entire chapter to grief. Mm. Because if you really love where you are, you love what you're doing, you love the people that you're with, but you feel called to go, um, there's going to be grief associated with that. And if you do not grieve well, uh, your body will shut you down to make sure your emotions will come up and you just got to be aware of all that. Yeah. I, I relate to that. Um, you know, just my short time at cross point, um, love the people we, me and my wife felt called to go and help, uh, cross point, especially with the dream centers at the time that they had and, and all the local, uh, things that were going on, uh, felt a definite call, um, but then literally six months into it, felt God saying, "You have you've done what you need to do, and you're seeing what you need to see." Now let's go back to Peoria. And the hard thing for us was at that time, uh, the position that I had in Peoria, someone else was in that position. Uh, you know, they had hired a new executive director, and I said to my wife. Uh, you know, I, I, I know we've got to go back, but I don't know what that looks like. And it was scary. You talk about that, the, the scary side of it. And um, so I, I remember telling my wife, why don't you go back to Peoria for the summer? Um, and we're just going to pray on how God is really wanting us to do this well, because I love the people at Crosspoint. You, you've You've been there many times. Right. They're great, uh, great folks. And um, I wanted to finish well. And so she left from Nashville on the way to Peoria uh, on a Tuesday morning. I went into team meeting. Uh, Tuesday lunchtime, I had a call. Uh, and it was from the board here in Peoria just saying, hey, um, the Dream Center position here has come open um, we know you're enjoying Nashville, everything's going well there, but would you be interested? And I was like, well, my wife is already on her way home. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but again, I gave, uh, I gave a good six or seven weeks uh, to bring everything uh, into perspective for Crosspoint and what they were going to have to do. Uh, it was one of those resignations where I had to write it out, otherwise I'd have been a mess. Uh, and to this day, uh, even on this podcast, we have had uh, Brandy Wilson on. We have had Holly uh, and Chris Brown on the podcast. And that was all through the relationship that we had, I had down in Nashville, that I was able to finish well. Um, but also, they understood and I knew that season a lot of times we think seasons are for long times, but sometimes seasons are short. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that short season really impacted my life. But th- you're right. There was a time of grief. 
leaving the people who who I'd connected with and the church, as as you could imagine with Crosspoint. Mm-hmm. And leaving a church is hard because you're not just leaving your job, you're leaving your community, you're leaving people. And some other advice I got is, hey, when you leave, leave. Don't linger. Don't right. linger around. And especially in my role as lead pastor, I don't want to like linger around the new leader needs to come in. We had two different leaders, guys on our staff that became pastors at the two Gwinnett church locations. When I left Buckhead church, when Billy Phoenix, who was on the staff there became lead pastor, I don't want to be walking the halls of Buckhead church. I want to give Billy room to, to go lead. And, and yeah. so, um, but that's hard, you know, yeah. and uh, our mutual friend, Kieran Newhoff, before I left, he gave me some advice. He said, Hey, uh, don't be surprised at how quickly you're forgotten. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and that's true. He wasn't saying that specifically about me. Maybe he was, but I mean, generally speaking, <laughs> you step off the train and the train of the organization has got to keep going. Yeah. And, and it really is, especially from a leadership standpoint, whether you are the, you know, the leader or you're, you're leading at a department or you're, you're certainly leading whatever it is that you're doing, because we're all leaders. We, at the end of the day, we at least lead ourselves. If when you leave and everything falls apart, you've failed the ultimate leadership test, which mm-hmm. is to make sure that the organization is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And so it was so, it was, it was so great in, in one sense to just see both those organizations just keep going. Yeah. And we're in the same with Buckhead church, just keep going. Um, that's awesome. But at the same time, there's a certain level of grief there. You know, you don't hear from people as much as you did because you just see them as much, right? There's, you know, they're, they're busy. Life is busy. And, and you look up and it's been like six months, 12 months. And then and you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, what you're doing. So all of that is rattling around at the same time, you're trying to figure out, okay, what is this job and what am I doing? And, and all yeah. that. So I understand why people, when they start to sense this, they back away mm-hmm. and go, I don't know if I want to do this. I have a hunch that this is one of the reasons founders stay a little bit longer than they, sh- they probably should. Mm-hmm. Because they begin to sense, whoa, 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 if I leave, what happens when I go to a party and they ask, well, what do you do now? You know, what's your name and what do you do? Your identity is so wrapped up in that. And that's that's actually, you know, we've all preached sermons about your identity is in Christ, which I totally believe in. But your job is wrapped up. There is a certain level of identity about that job and right or wrong. And when you pull away, it's like pulling away, you know, the muscles you know, it's it's going to leave a little bit of a mark. And so you just have to be cognizant. You have to be cognizant of that so that it doesn't catch you by, by surprise. I hired a transition consultant, which is a fancy title for a counselor to help me, help me do that. I just helped me process. In our first meeting with him, I said, hey, I have four issues. The first three are business issues. And then the, the fourth one is the emotions I'm feeling about this. And he said, well, let's just start with the emotions. We spent the entire time on the emotions, Mm -hmm. this issues that mean. So, and so you just have to be, you know, just cognizant of it. And, um, and at one moment I would have high highs and one moment I would be really low. And, and the first thing when I described that, he's one of the first pieces of advice he gave me that was so helpful is the emotionally healthy person can hold joy and sorrow at the same time. And that was so helpful for me. To, to hear and next will involve a certain amount of joy and sorrow at the same time. Wow, man, that'll preach. You're speaking directly to me, especially when you were earlier in the, um, you were sharing about your friend who's 52. He's, he's the founding pastor. So I'm 52. I'm the founding pastor. We started in 1998. We'll turn 25 years old. Um, this coming. Well, congratulations. This coming. Thank you. But I don't, I, I know now I need to be intentional about the future. When it gets to the point where it's time to leave, I don't want to linger, so I want to be intentional. I want to have a, a plan. And that's why your book is so helpful for anyone that is trying to determine yeah. what is next. You know, a couple of my favorite quotes from the book that I, that I jotted down was, one, if you're not, not going to go to the doctor, you forfeit the right to complain that you're not feeling well. So there are people that are in situations and jobs right now, they're, they're complaining, but they're they're not willing to do anything about it. And I, I think that's huge when it comes to 
mm-hmm. our next next step because if that doesn't get taken care of then you know we're we're in trouble and then um the second my second favorite quote that i wrote down was the best way to discover the future is to work hard in the present and if you're working hard in the present you're not going to linger anyway you're, you're you're working hard and a lot of times that hard work will lead to another open door it can lead it can lead to next so is there anything that you want to expound on, upon that before we um we wrap things up Certainly. I think if next happens to someone, so if someone calls me today and, and said, so I got some bad news, my, my job is being eliminated in you know, four weeks or whatever it is, what should I do? Should I update my resume? Is that the first thing? No. Should I you know, update my LinkedIn profile? No. Both of those are good things. The first thing that you should do is go to your phone, go to your contact list and start making a list of people that you know that you can start contacting. Mm. Because I believe your next opportunity is three or four people away. Mm, and, and so the, and again, speaking of John Maxwell, he gave me this question to sit down with people and say, Hey, who do you know that I need to know? And will you contact them on my behalf? Now you don't lead with that question. The question you believe with is say, Hey, so just got bad news. I, my job's being eliminated in four weeks. So can you tell me your story? When you were in a somewhat of a similar situation, if you ever were, what did you do? How did you get to where you are? And then hear, because everybody likes to talk about themselves, right? You hear their story and then ultimately go, so what would you do if you were me? And who do you know that I need to know? And will you contact them on my behalf? Um, the principle here is, and everybody's heard it, is who you know is often more important than what you know. And, and so I would just work your contact list and that and networking is the key now for the person that's really really wise they will build their network when they don't need it because someday you will need it and that takes discipline because we're all busy and but they but you also add value to that person if you go to lunch you bring a gift whether it's a book or a gift card or something you certainly follow up with a handwritten thank you note but and that's what I've told my kids. I'm telling you, if you can build your network when you're 20, it's going to help you for the rest of your life. But when we get out of our 20s, sometimes we stop doing that. And mm. that's to our detriment. And so I've just been blessed to be able to have a huge network of people that that I can call if, if, something, um, if something goes awry. And the other reason I think this is important, too, is when you leave well, those people actually become your network if you were ever to, to, to need them again. For example, just yesterday, I was down half the day at Chick-fil-A working with people. Part of my business is serving them now. And, and if I had said, I'm out of here, Chick-fil-A, see you later. And just, you know, never stayed in touch or never served them. Then I would have forfeited those relationships and those friendships. But those friendships are not only some of my best friendships, they really helped me in this in this new season. And I think I'm adding value to them. So leave well. And again, how you leave an organization is one thing. How the organization leaves you, that's another thing. That's yeah. You have control over one of those, yeah. right? So do your best. But if you can build your network, it's going to be really, really helpful. And you might not need it today, but I guarantee you at some time in the future, you're going to need that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's so good. And that's so good what you just said. <clears throat> you can only be responsible for how you leave, right? The you know, um organizations can look at it differently. You know, when I left Crosspoint, they saw that this wasn't me just trying to go go back to Peoria, but they saw that God was was leading me there. They they honored me, uh helped me get back. I mean it it was it was good. And then I've seen it. And, and this is hard to say because me and Chuck have been in the church world all of our lives. But churches are terrible at this. Mm-hmm. I feel they, they're really bad at, at allowing people to really pursue what God's telling them to do because now it's affecting them. And, mm-hmm. and you see the church... Uh, or leaders or leaders within the organization get mad because they've lost someone, but they don't see that blessing that they could be to that individual of, of this is what, and for a lot of people leaving the church, they're pursuing God's call. You know, they feel mm. that God's calling them to a new 
uh, adventure. <clears throat> and you see it a lot where, um, and, and I'll be honest, a younger crowd. You see the younger crowd that, that then walk away to a new career, not wanting to be involved with the church as a, as a you know, a job mm-hmm. um, because of the way they were treated. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's the hard part of churches because you, it can become personal. You're throwing yourself into it. You know, uh, you know, down at, at North Point and, and Buckhead, like the volunteers throw everything into it and the staff throw everything into it. And then when someone leaves, it's like, well, what are you doing? We, we feel mm-hmm. this way. Why are you? Yeah, we have to be willing to let go. But got to be willing to let go, and I, I think I think the church could learn a lot from what what you've just said about that. You know. Yeah, and I think the challenge too is people have a misunderstanding of calling, and and I got a few questions like this. Wait, well, I thought you were called. I thought you were called to go in that church. I was, but there are callings for a season, and there are callings for a lifetime. Yeah. And I was called for a season to Buckhead Church. I was called to a season for Gwinnett Church. I'm called to a lifetime of following Jesus and I have to be diligent and, and do everything I can to discern that calling. But my counselor told me, Hey, your calling will go with you. It's just going to be in a different, different context. Mm. And, um, and I think the other disappointing thing in church world is when you leave, people are, you know, snooping around to go, what was the real reason? Right. (laughs) And, uh, so, you know, when I left, it was still middle of COVID. I don't know if, I don't know if the word post COVID, I don't even know, but you know, it was like, <laughs> it was September of 2020. I'll say that what I announced in August of 2020, and we were going to leave earlier because when my son graduated from high school, because we were empty nesters and all that, but COVID hit in March. So we delayed it and uh, North Point decided not to have church services for the rest of the year. And I was going to have to be making decisions for the next year. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I want to make decisions for the future leaders that they would have to live with in the sure. next year. So we decided to leave um, in September, the end of September and announce in August. So Andy Stanley and I did a video together and it was a long video. It was like 24 minutes long. And, you know, I got some feedback like, Jeff, that's a long, um, uh, there's a, that's a long video to, to do. But again, we weren't gathering. So this was the right. only time, the only way to communicate this <clears throat> to the church. But I mean, the reason I left is what we just talked about, right? And I I didn't care if it was boring because I just wanted, and I, and I actually kind of figured it out. I think people only watched halfway of that video. It's like, oh, there's nothing here. This is boring. I'm going to move on. And which is fine, you know, but, um, you know, I think we're always looking for scandal in the church, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. Sometimes right. you leave because God calls you to leave, right? right. And, right. and you, right. you know, again, you, you, you want people, I mean, at least I did, you wanted people to miss you. Right. So, so there's all that. And then with COVID in our case, you know, we'd be out, you know, obviously we still live in Atlanta. We'd be out and people come up and they had no idea that we'd even left. Hey, you know, what's going on in church? When are we going to get back in? And I'm like, you haven't been paying attention. have you? Oh, that's great. Well, can you, can you take a moment and pray for our listeners, especially those that are on the fence and maybe they are contemplating leaving, they're trying to figure out what is their next step? Is it is the position they're in for a season? Is it the long haul? I mean, obviously lots of questions surrounding, and that's why your your book has so much wisdom. So when we're done praying, we're, we want you to give all the information on how people can, can connect with you and, and get get the books. So, but first, can you, can you pray for us? Absolutely, Chuck. So. Father, first of all, thank you for the listeners today. Thanks for Chuck and Andy doing this. And for those, especially as Chuck said, that uh, they are sensing that you might be closing one chapter and wanting to write another. First, if they're married, I pray for consensus with their spouse. If they're single, I pray that you would continue to surround them with wise counselors. Uh, For those that are married, I pray that you would surround them with wise counselors so that they're not making this decision in isolation. Obviously, they want to hear from you as well. Um, but I pray that you would encourage them to maybe take a step today. And maybe a step of that is to reach out and meet with someone and share what they're thinking. Um, but just provide some encouragement and some clarity. Uh, I do believe when we take a step in faith, we take a step closer to you. So maybe that's a phone call. Maybe that's a text. Maybe that's a, a, an email that we need to send to someone. Or maybe we actually do take a step toward that side hustle. To where we stay where we are, but we explore maybe 
something that you've placed on our hearts. And, uh, and most of all, I would just let uh, remind them that, that you're with them and that you, you have a story that's unfolding and that ultimately we just need to obey you and to keep in step with you. So I pray that they would be encouraged by this conversation and, and help them to take a step and maybe receive some encouragement today to figure out what to do next. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. We want people to be able to connect with you. Uh, what is the, uh, the the best way for people to follow you, whether that's socials, website? How could they How could they do that? Sure. JeffHenderson.com is really the, the best way, and you'll see all the socials stuff there. But just go to JeffHenderson.com. And then for those that have either book or both books, please text me i think now i haven't responded to three of the texts today so i'm, I'm behind but I, I think i'm 100 percent. as chuck will attest yeah. um I, I do my best to to respond back and it's it's fun so you can text me when you get my cell phone in the book but you can start by going to jeffhenderson.com you know you mentioned bob goff we had him here just a few years back for our end of year event uh, with the dream center and you are absolutely right like there's you know, 2,000 people afterwards are all trying to get close to him. And there he is answering his phone while he's taking a picture. And uh, so I think the texting is is way better than just making a call. Yeah, yeah. But, but thank you for that. I mean, I, I know you're impacting a lot of people just, just through that. Just And um, it did us and it did our church. That's good. Thank you. Well, well thank you. Jeff, we do this thing right at the end of Revival Town uh, called the Big Three. There are three questions that that may have connection to what we've talked about today, may not. Um, just fun, wanting to get to know you even more. Uh, so, Chuck, do you want to start on this one? Okay, sure. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I know you work for the Atlanta Braves. When it comes to the NFL, are you a Falcons fan? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I'll tell you, when they were in the Super Bowl, it was, I mean, I've been a Falcons fan all my life. And so, as you know, they're up 28 to three against the Patriots in in the third quarter. And I turned to my wife, Wendy, and I said, honey, I cannot believe it. The Falcons are actually going to win the Super Bowl. And that was the moment that everything fell apart. So, (laughs) and in fact, since the the day we're recording this, they lost again last night. So anyway, Um, a question that I'm, I'm really intrigued on you made the switch from church world to business world. You still do church world, but but obviously you focused on on that. Which crowds do you enjoy interacting with the most? Oh goodness, you're trying to get me in trouble. This was this was such a friendly conversation. <laughs> for this moment, so. I'm sorry. Somebody's going to be alienated. Uh, At least I didn't yeah. ask Popeyes yeah. or Chick Fil A. I didn't ask that question. So. Well, you haven't heard my you question, haven't heard my next Republic, question. Is the next question Republican or Democrat? <laughs> is that what you're going to go with? So, uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Okay, so when I go to a business setting, and the questions I get after are not, well, you know, from a theology standpoint, here's what, and it's, you know, it's just, it's on the, the particular issue that, and sometimes in church world, people read into things that you don't really even say. And, you know, and so it's just, I think we get off, we get off, I think sometimes in church world for good reasons, we argue and major on the minors. Mm. And what I discovered in the business world is they don't have time for that. Mm. Wow. They, they want to major on the majors because they've got to make decisions fast. And yeah. so they, they come up and ask questions that are directly related to wow. what we just talked about because they're trying to make decisions faster. I'm not saying that the church world isn't fast. It certainly is. But mm. sometimes the questions I get in church world are not that they're not important. They're just minor in my, in my, yeah. in my opinion. All right. Yeah, that's good. That's that, good. That'll preach. That's a whole other podcast episode. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, not that anyone wants to listen to me. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, all right. My, my question, uh, the last question is this. Obviously, you work for Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A does everything right. They could lead the country. I'm convinced of that. Is there another fast food restaurant that impresses you? Oh, man. Absolutely. That would have to be in and out Mm, yeah, yeah. In and out burger. And 
they, you know, it's interesting when we go out West or we, you know, it's one of the first things we try to do. If there's in and out, we go to in and out. Right. right. And, and I think there's a, there's a model there. There's a principle there. And part of that is scarcity. I believe in the power of scarcity. McDonald's doesn't have scarcity that you know, then you just go anywhere and there's a McDonald's. But when you go to a, a region where you don't have as many, there's there's just a little bit more demand for it. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I love In and Out, and I'm talking about them, and I think they're amazing. I'm not even sure their hamburgers are that great compared to the raving fans out there. Right. So there's something to be said for that. I think Chick Fil A's experienced that, but you know they're they're growing so rapidly now, so they're going to have to at some point have to deal with the fact that they're right around the corner. And they got a long way to go for for that to happen. But but I, I love the way that. In and out runs the business. I love the fact that their menu is very focused. It's 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 very focused. You don't go in and you won't see at least. I mean, I haven't been there in a while, but I don't think they have chicken sandwiches. And right. so it's really really focused. And I know, and they they even have this secret menu, right? So yeah. that it's only the the insiders really know. And and I'll, I'll tell you, um, Raising Cane's is another restaurant mm, yeah. to keep your eye on because their menu is so focused. I think they just passed over the billion dollar mark in annual sales and their menu is so focused and so tight that that's a win. Yeah. And so that Raising Cane's and in and out Love it. That's good. Good that's stuff. Good. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you so much uh, for being on Revival Town today. I know uh, people are going to be pulling so much from this church world and and business world uh but again we just uh we just wanted to thank you for coming on and uh all the best uh at cross point next week uh, when you're speaking there and uh thank you again for coming on yeah thanks thank so much Jeff. Thanks, Chuck. god bless you guys thanks for thanks for having me on thank you man great stuff jeff great stuff andy man I got a little nervous. I told you that earlier, uh, well, interviewing Jeff, just because there's, you know, there's a respect there for what he does. And, and you know, it's so cool. He's willing to text people back and, and so down to earth. Uh, just appreciate his time today. Appreciate his wisdom, his prayer. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I was expecting him to say, oh, you're the stalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, you know what is next? What is next is... A brand new season of The Crown. Oh. And you're the one who, who got me into this. And I I'm did. all in now. And I've I've been watching the new episodes. You've already been binging it. Yeah. And, um, man, it's good. It's good. And what what's amazing <clears throat> right now is watching it, knowing, you know, the Queen has just passed away this year. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so what's next is King Charles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's crazy is some of the things they're talking about that were happening 30 years ago have just come to a conclusion this year. Right. In real life. In real life. Yeah. And, Fascinating. Uh, and so that is is good. I know you haven't watched it all uh, yet, and I haven't either. Yeah, I've like, only watched one one episode of the of the newest season. But the, the lady who is playing Diana... Is I mean, it's like watching Lady Diana on the screen. It, it, it really is. They've done such an incredible job with the casting. And yeah. Every season, I've just enjoyed it, learned a lot yeah. of history, and hopefully that has helped me with my talent in guessing words for a little bit we call... Tate and his mate. Tate and his mate. So if you're new to the podcast, this is where I throw a word or a phrase... Uh, awesome uh, food. Rhyming Cockney slang. Rhyming Cockney slang. You got Boom. it. Yeah. Um, and so I have got a word for my mate Tate over there. Um, and I have to guess the meaning. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so when I used to play uh, football, soccer, soccer. Um, I used to have uh, I used to have a have a sack for <laughs> a have a <laughs> A hacky sack. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? I got kicked in the hacky sack. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> I know. If, 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 Jenner, if Jeff Anderson is listening, he's like, I know what's next. Deleting this podcast. <laughs> no, uh, so, so so I would put my soccer boots. <laughs> 
So we call them cleats here, your soccer boots. Put my soccer boots in the half a sack. Get kicked in the hacky sack with the soccer boots. <laughs> you get a choke with that scarf. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh. So I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh. So. Oh. Have a sack. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Is have a sack. Have a sack. And you're, I really thought we were talking about hacky sacks. So, okay. So, have a sack. Oh. Have, have a sack. Have a sack. So, I thought it was like when I go to school, my mom was like, here, have a sack lunch. Have a sack. <laughs> So I have to guess the meaning of, the, of the that's have, the word. Have a sack. Have a sack. Could you put it in context again one more time? I put my soccer shoes in the have a sack. Oh, you put your soccer shoes or your soccer boots in a have a sack. So um, how about a backpack? Well, yeah, yeah. It's a small backpack. Really? Yeah. And wow, just for like cleats or yeah, yeah. soccer shoes? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and we would also used to call it the boot bag because the soccer boots. Okay, the boot bag. Yeah, so you put them in the boot bag. So you got two for one there today. Oh, man, check that out. Yeah, so, oh, uh, man, I'm sorry. Well, this was everyone. fun. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? So I hope you guys are having a good time. Because we are. We're laughing. I don't know if you are, but yeah. hey, um, make sure you go to the website. It's Christmas time. We have merch, revivaltownpodcast.com. Yeah. Make sure you get that ordered now so it's here for Christmas. I know uh, we've got all different types of things uh, on there. Chuck updates it uh, with different products all the time. So uh, make sure you're checking it out. But uh, until this time next week, why don't you say goodbye? I'll say have a sack. Have a sack. There you go. <laughs> See you, everyone. <laughs> listening to this episode of revival town podcast make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more information head on over to revivaltownpodcast.com Sorry,